1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: Now, anyone who hears the gospel, turns away from God, and then he sees he's gone the wrong way and he wants to go back to God. That's good. God says, that's good. And the Lord Jesus Christ said in Luke thirteen three, I tell you, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. All right, so here they are. They're going back to Judah, and we see Naomi do something very surprising. We say, why does she do this? In verse 8, it says, Naomi said unto her daughters-in-law, Go, shuv, shuv, Return each of you to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. Now, Naomi's husband took Naomi out of the promised land. Naomi lost her country. Naomi's husband died. Naomi lost her husband. Naomi's two sons died. Naomi lost her two children. And Naomi was left of her two daughter in laws, and they're going with her, as we've seen. And she seems to be so depressed, can't understand why she does this. But she turns to her two daughters in law and she commands them in verse 8 go, return each to her mother's house. She's in such a terrible frame of mind that she pushes her daughters in law away from her. She doesn't do this gently. As in, why don't you consider and think about if you really want to come? And uh, maybe you'd really like to go back. It's maybe much nicer in your mother's house. I think it'd be best for you if you just went back. She doesn't do that. She's very forceful. She said, I'm ordering you, go back to your mother's house. And she says, go return each to her mother's house. It's a very strong push that Naomi is giving them. And it's for sure that Naomi's daughter in law called Naomi mother and it'd be later on she calls them daughter but she, so they call her mother but in verse 8 Naomi says to them go return each to her mother's house so Naomi is saying to her mothers-in-law I'm not your mother you only call me mother because of the marriage to my sons well my sons are dead and that means that you're no longer to call me mother so she's saying to her daughters-in-law it's over With the death of your husbands and my sons, I'm no longer your mother. You're no longer a part of the family. You revert back now. You are Moabitess people. Go back to Moab. Go back to your real mothers. And notice how in verse 8, when Naomi refers to the mother's house, with that, Naomi is saying to them, your mothers have a house. I don't have a house. Go back to your mother's house. See, that was really strong on Naomi's part. She's pushing her daughters-in-law, Naomi showed them that she wasn't angry with them, but she was thinking of them and making it very clear that I don't want you to follow me back to Judah. I don't want you to do that. She was making that very, very clear, and she wasn't mad because then she goes and gives them a blessing in verses 8 and 9. And she says in in verse 8, the Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you'd find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. So here's the blessing of Naomi. Here we see in this blessing, Naomi gives to them, she prays for them, the Lord deal kindly with you. Naomi was speaking of a very special kindness that comes only from God. That, that Naomi said that her daughters-in-law had showed that very special kindness to her sons, which Naomi in her, in her, in her very typical, encouraging, upbeat manner called the dead. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Naomi should be a motivational speaker, right? <laughs> but Naomi also told her daughters-in-law that they had shown this very special kindness from God to her. And that very special kindness that Naomi was referring to comes from a Hebrew word that Naomi used here, uh, is translated kindly in verse eight, and that's the word Chesed. Chesed is this very—it's this—it's this tender, loving kindness. It's this loving favor. It's a word that goes that that, that you see all throughout the, the the scriptures. This word Chesed, and it, and and sometimes it's got adjectives that go in front of it that kind of like really give you the flavor like in Psalm 17:7 7, where it says show me thy marvelous loving kindness O thou that savest by thy right hand. So it's marvelous there, because it's not expected. Today, it was a Carissa when she wrote, when she quoted the, the psalm, remember what she said? Oh, how excellent is thy loving kindness. That's another adjective that goes with it. Sometimes it's translated as the word mercy, and then it's always, and then you sometimes you see that word tender, tender mercies. Excellent, tender chesed, excellent chesed, marvelous chesed. It's the chesed love of God that's expressed in the New Testament by John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son See, it's for so God, so chesed, he so loved the world, it's expressed by that, and that's that tender loving kindness to the world. He showed this, lo- this, this, this favor, loving favor to the world when he gave his only begotten son. Other verses that, that are really talking about this chesed is loving kindness is in Titus 3, 4, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, uh, 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 appeared uh, toward man appeared. 1 John three sixteen. hereby perceive we the chesed, the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. 1 John 4, 9, and this was manifested, the love of God, this chested toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might through him. We might live through him. Life comes to us because of the tender mercies of God. That's what Naomi was praying for her daughters-in-law, that they would find this chesed loving kindness of God that would bring them to a saving faith in Jehovah Jesus. And that was the name that she used, Jehovah when she was referring to God in this blessing. So it shows that in this family life, which we're really now privileged to go inside the door of and sit there and watch the family, we see in this family life, Naomi spoke freely and openly to her Moabite daughters-in-law about how God is love. God is chesed. And so here Naomi was different, as we saw, from Lot. When he spoke seriously to his sons in law about God, when he tried to get them to leave Sodom in Genesis 19, 14, it says he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons in law. Naomi did not seem as one that mocked when she talked to her daughters in law about God. See, Naomi, Lot seemed as one that mocked because. He didn't care enough for his daughters in law, for his sons in law, to speak to them seriously about the Lord. In contrast to Naomi, who loved them and cared for them and spoke seriously to them, she loved, Naomi loved her daughters in law, and she had taken the time in the past to speak to them seriously. She had told them without doubt how Moses had said in Deuteronomy 33 27, the eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And Psalm 90, verse 1, that prayer of Moses where it says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. She told them, she told them this. So when Naomi spoke to her daughters in law about the chesed love of God, these daughters in law understood what Naomi was talking about, that should be the case with us. That should be how we are perceived. We should have the reputation among our relatives of being the one who's talking about God, being the one who speaks about the Lord. When our relatives think about us, they should think, oh yeah, he's the one who talks about the love of God. He's the one who talks about how God became a man and died for our sins. And When our in-laws think of, talk about us and our children think about us, when our grandchildren think about us, they should think of us. They're the ones who are going to talk about God. Our grandkids should see us and think to themselves, here comes grandpa, here comes grandma. I'll bet he's going to tell us something about the God in the Bible. And that's why, that, that's, that's the focus of the Shema. In Deuteronomy 6, 4, 7, 4 through 7, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy might. These words which I command thee this day should be in thy heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently, I mean seriously, to thy children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. It's exactly what Naomi was doing here. Exactly what she did, she teaching her daughters-in-law diligently about the chesed love of God as she revealed, she revealed his word to them. And by the way, Naomi was quite down. She was very depressed, and she thought that everything had gone wrong in her life. She lost her land, her husband, her two sons, her opportunity to have grandchildren, and now she's trying to lose her daughters-in-law. Unbelievable. And as far as Naomi is concerned, nothing could be worse. You remember I told you the difference between the pessimist and the optimist, the pessimist Always says no. The optimist always says yes. So the pessimist says, no, it can't get any worse. And the optimist says, yes, it can. Well, this is Naomi. <laughs> and she's got this low point in her life, very, very low. And she's thinking everything has gone wrong. And she thinks at this point that since she came into Moab, everything has gone wrong. She thinks everything has gone wrong since her deceased husband made that terrible decision to leave Israel and go to Moab. And she thinks she followed her husband to well, Moab, and what happens? He dies. And then her sons die. She's got no grandchildren. She's reduced to poverty. She thinks that all things have worked together for bad, for evil. All things have worked together for evil, for me that loves God. That's what she's thinking. And, but it's not true. It's not true, because in verse 8, we see Naomi is speaking to two Moabite daughters-in-law, two Moabite women about the love of God, two women that God created with his hands, be they Moabites. And God loved them, and God lost them, and God wanted to find them and buy them with his blood. And so he 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 sends Naomi there. And how would these Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth, ever hear about the love of God who wanted to save their souls from sin unless they had a mother-in-law like Naomi who would teach them about the love of God? I mean, how would they have had a mother-in-law like Naomi to teach them about the love of God unless there had been a famine in Israel working together for good to these Moabites, Ruth and Orpah. And how would Orpah and Ruth have had a mother-in-law like Naomi to teach them about the love of God unless Naomi had a husband who made a decision to go to Moab, and that worked together for good for these two. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved Israel, no. For God so loved the Moabites, too, Go into all the world in Mark 16, 15 and preach the gospel to every creature. Go to just Israel, preach the gospel. No, go into Moab and preach the gospel. How will I get there? I'll send a famine. I'll give you a husband that'll make decisions that'll make your head spin. (laughs) That's how. Through a famine, through a frustrating husband who decides to move the family. How does God send us to preach the gospel? Through what happens in our lives that frustrates us that makes us think all things are working for evil, for bad, the famine, the death, but they're all part of the things that are working for good. And she can't see it yet. We know in Romans eight twenty-eight, 28, all things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. That's the picture of the, the Bethsaleel and Aholiab as they're making the curtains of the tabernacle, as we've seen. That weaving together, that hashab, as they take the gold and the silver and the purple, not silver, what am I thinking? The gold, the the purple, the blue, and the scarlet, weaving those threads together, the hashab they're weaving together. And God is weaving together, making all things work together for good. So we see in verse nine more of uh, of her blessing Naomi's blessing than Orpah and Ruth when she says the Lord grant you that you may find rest each of you in the house of your husband. So here Naomi is asking that God grant from heaven Orpah and Ruth they should find rest. Now, the Hebrew word that Naomi used here for rest is a very special word. It's a very special word, menucha. It's a very special word. It's the same word that's translated still in Psalm 23 Two. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me beside the menucha waters. This type of rest, very special rest, the menuchah rest, is associated with God. It's associated with the Messiah, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in Isaiah 11.10, it says, and in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, that's the Messiah, which shall stand for an ensign of the people, to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest, Shall be glorious. See, in that verse, the Lord Jesus Christ is called the root of Jesse from the Jewish people. He's an ensign or a flag of the people, or the one that the true Jewish people are happy to display as their God. He's the one who the Gentiles shall seek. In other words, he's the God of the Gentiles. And then it says, his rest shall be glorious. The menucha, glorious rest. It's called his rest shall be glorious. See, it's his rest because it can only come from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he was speaking about in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 29, when he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you that rest, that menucha that comes from God only, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. See, the Lord Jesus Christ was saying there, learn of me and ye shall find the menucha rest unto your souls. Learn of me and find rest unto your souls. Naomi prayed for her daughter-in-laws. She said, the Lord grant that she may find rest. And so she's praying that they would learn of Israel's Messiah, of the Lord Jesus Christ and find the promised rest. And now we see Naomi adds one more part to her blessing in verse 9 when she says, the Lord granted she may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. (laughs) In that last part, Naomi has added that, and this is Naomi, this is classic Naomi, in the house of her husband. So here's another push from Naomi, you know, they don't have a husband, they're widows, but she's saying with her blessing that God should show his special chesed loving kindness to them, and that they should find the special menucha rest for their souls, and which all sounds good, and then she comes with the push away when she says, in the house of your husbands you should find him, not in my house. So all these blessings should happen to her daughters-in-law so no in the house of her blessings. So that means that they they should all happen to her to them, not in her house. So the last phrase really hurts the daughters-in-law. It's not nice. And so then we see what happened in the last part of verse nine. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. So what do we see? She kisses them. Now this is not the polite peck on the cheek type of kiss. This is the word nashak. And it it has the same word that you see oftentimes associated with the two other words. And those two other words are embrace and weep, embrace and cry. This is the word that was used with the reconciliation of Esau and Jacob in Genesis 33, where it says, and Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. It all goes together. So we get the picture of what the Tanishak kiss means was in, in the scene here with Esau and, and Jacob, but also in the scene with Joseph when he was finally reconciled to his brothers in Genesis 45:15, where it says, moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his, bre- his brethren talked with him. So in these instances, what we see here in the Nashak kiss is a, a, a reconciliation, and that's why this word is used in Psalm 212 when it speaks of kiss the son, Nashak the son, reconcile with the son, lest he be angry, he perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. So that's a command to kiss the son, to kiss the son of God and be reconciled to him. And it's the same command, that's given to us in 2 Corinthians 5.20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's Son, be reconciled to God. Now, by the way, this is a scene, in case you haven't noticed, of a, a lot of affection. You know, Jewish families are famous for this. And a lot of affection in the family. You know, and some families have a culture where they never express affection to each other. That's sad. That's just sad when, when in a family they don't feel free to express affection to each other. You know, when they don't say, you know, like, do you love me? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but, but it says in verse nine, all of them, Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth, they, they all, they kissed and they lifted up their voice and wept. They had this they, that was good. Well, they had a big cry. They had a good cry over all the trouble that had happened, and Naomi didn't want him to go with her, and that was sad. So, now we see in verse 10, their response to all this pushback from Naomi. Verse 10. And they said unto her, surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. They would hear nothing of leaving Naomi as they, as they protested with the word surely. With that word surely, both Orpah and Ruth said, there's no question about it. We're going to return with you, Naomi. And notice here they refer to the Jewish people as thy people. Now, in verse 11, so here we see Naomi gets really strong. She comes on strong with them. And she says the same words to them in verses 11 and 12. Naomi said, turn again, my daughters. Verse 12, turn again, my daughters. Go. See, when Naomi says to them, go, it does a very strong. Verse 12 reminds me of our uh, of our of our Australian shepherd dog we used to have named Pepper. And we used to have her when we lived in, in, on Madison Avenue near Park Boulevard in the 70s, and David and Joseph were just five and four years old. And we, we, we would leave the house there, and we'd always tell Pepper, now you stay on the porch, and you be a good, good watchdog. See? And she would look at us like she understood you understand? And, she, and then we'd walk off, and, and, and she'd follow us, and we'd stop and yell at her to go back home. And, and sometimes we'd walk the two blocks down to Park Boulevard and catch the bus and go to the San Diego Zoo. And one time we walked off, and, and, and we watched behind us to make sure Pepper stayed on the porch and she wasn't following us. Well, that day, Pepper watched until we were out of sight, <laughs> and then she took off, and she watched when we got on the bus. And we sat down on the bus, and right after the, do- the, the driver shut the door, the driver stands up and yells, does anybody know whose dog this is? <laughs> that was Pepper. And <laughs> we got off the bus, and we yelled to Pepper, go, go home. Well, that's what verse 12 is. <laughs> it's like us commanding Pepper to go home. Naomi was commanding her daughters in law go home. And what Naomi did by ordering her daughters-in-law to go back to Moab was she, she put them on the test to see just how much do you want to be with me See, what Naomi did was exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did to the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15, to 28. And when it says, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, cried unto him saying, have mercy on me, Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, but he answered her not a word. His disciples came and besought him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered her and said, It's not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the, children's ta- from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O oh, woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. And her daughter-in-law was made whole from that very hour. And he said, I haven't found that kind of faith in Israel. Compared to this woman, this nation is faithless.
1: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God.